0: Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topic of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, I'm particularly excited today. We have a distinguished guest with us today who is a, a warden professor, professor, and internationally known uh, best-selling author. Um, an expert on change, word of mouth influence, and a number of other areas, uh, he's published over 70 articles in top-tier journals. Has um, a really good book that's um, well suited for leaders, both aspiring leaders and veteran leaders. Uh, has written and and articles appear in a lot of really uh, well-known places like New York Times. Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business Review, just to name a few. So I'm just delighted that he's uh, taken time out of his busy schedule to be with us today and to add to those of us who are really interested in improving ourselves as leaders. And um, so without further ado, I want to introduce to you and reintroduce to some uh, a a very um, just profound uh, speaker and author. Uh, Dr. Jonah Berger. Welcome, Jonah. Thanks so much for having me. Well, glad to have you. So tell me, I know that a lot of your work has uh, centered, that you're kind of focused on on, uh, helping uh, individuals understand influence and uh, language processing. Tell me a little bit about your work and what you're currently doing.
1: You know, uh, we use language all the time. We use language to pitch clients and talk to colleagues. We use language to connect with friends and family members. Uh, We use language to do basically everything we do on a daily basis. But while we think a lot about the ideas we wanna communicate, the big picture principles or concepts we wanna get across, we think a lot less about the specific words we use when communicating those ideas. And unfortunately that's a mistake because subtle shifts in the words we use can have a big effect on our overall impact. Uh, adding a certain word to a request, for example, can make people about 50% more likely uh, to say yes to that request. Mm. Rather than saying you like something, saying you recommend it makes people about a third more likely to take your recommendation. Mm. And in everything from the language you use in email at the office to the language you might use when applying for a loan provide subtle insight into who we are and what we're likely to do in the future. And so the question really becomes then what are these magic words and and how can we take advantage of of their power? How by understanding the science of how language works, can we use language more effectively as leaders, uh, as colleagues, as
0: bosses, as peers, and both at, at home and at work? Mm Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, As having been uh, a leader in a variety of contexts, I can certainly second what you've said about uh, how it it makes a difference what you say, Uh, it makes a difference how you say it. Uh, Something you said really piqued my interest though, and that is um, you, you mentioned a connection between change and communication um and and i guess actually uh it's more about influence I, I, that i i talked about in in describing some of the work that you do um how is it is there is there is it uh brain science related that uh w- those recommendations that you made earlier like uh instead of saying um, that you like something, that you recommend something is more powerful. Is there, is there kind of a brain psychology associated with this? Well,
1: you know, uh, I'm I'm a professor who studies behavioral science, and, and we've done dozens of projects in, in this space. Uh, we've looked uh, at the language of recommendations and what makes recommendations more impactful. We've analyzed thousands of customer service calls to look at the types of words and uh, paralinguistic styles that increase customer satisfaction. And we've looked at tens of thousands of pieces of online content to look at what holds attention or or leads to longer reads. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it used to be that people would share their opinions about language. You know, no, these are four words you shouldn't use or five things you should say for X, Y, Z. And, and people's opinions are great, but they're just that, opinions. What's, what's happened over the last couple of decades is we now don't have to look to opinions, we can look to actual data. Right? Mm-hmm. Every day now, billions of people share their opinions online about products and services, oh, ideas. Um, you know, after this podcast, you can press a button and the content of what we say will be transcribed and on customer service calls or written articles, a whole bunch of language data is out there. And there's also now a variety of tools to analyze that data more effectively, whether we talk about dictionaries or topic modeling or word embeddings, just like the microscope revolutionized biology or the telescope revolutionized astronomy, these new automated um uh, automated textual analysis tools or natural language tools have allowed us to parse data and extract some exciting insights. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in writing this book, I, I found that there are six key types uh, of language, um, six key buckets um, that that words can fall into. Um, and so if we, if we understand those types and we understand how to apply them, we can
0: increase our impact in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so is this mostly uh, what we say... Uh, social influenced Is it is it a part of our socialization? You mentioned uh, that there are there are things that we we kind of naturally say. So I would imagine that that has to do with the way uh, we learn how to speak. So is it is it social? Is it a social construct?
1: Yeah, you know, let's dive into a couple of examples because I think that'll give a people a, a sense of what we're talking about. And so, uh, you know, I talk about six types of language in the book. I, I put them in a framework uh, which spells the word speak. The S is the language of similarity and difference. The P is the language of posing questions. The E is the language of emotion. The A is the language of agency and identity. The first C is the language of confidence, and the second C is the language of concreteness. And so, let me just pick off an example uh, of the language of agency and identity. So, you know, all of us would would like to increase our influence, right? We'd all would like to be better persuaders and and better at moving people in in uh, direction we want them to go. And so, uh, a number of years ago, some researchers out at Stanford University looked at, at the language of effective persuasion. They looked at whether subtle shifts in the language we use can actually in, increase our impact. And so mm-hmm. they went to a local uh, preschool and they asked four and five-year-old kids to do something that four and five-year-old kids don't really like to do, uh, and that is clean up. Uh, okay. There was a classroom that was a mess. There were blocks on the floor and crayons and a variety of different things. And, and they asked the kids for, for help cleaning up. And so for some of the kids, they asked them for help, like we usually ask ourselves. They said, hey, you know, would you would you help clean up? Please help clean up the classroom. For the other half of kids, though, they they try a a subtly but importantly different approach. Rather than asking the kids for help or to help clean up the classroom, they ask the kids to be a helper and clean up the classroom. Now, Mm -hmm. the the difference between help and helper is is quite small, right? It's only a couple of letters. It's adding an an ER to the end uh, of the word help, yet those couple of letters led to about a 30% increase in people's likelihood uh, of cleaning up. And you could say, well, well, that's interesting, but maybe that's just kids and classrooms. You know, does this matter for big and important things? And so more recently, some, some researchers looked at a much more important domain, which is voting, right? They said, hey, could we use effective language to get people to turn out to vote? And so they, they emailed a variety of people, asked them to go vote. For some people, they used a traditional approach. They said, hey, would you please go vote? For other people, they used a slightly different approach. Rather than ask them to, to vote, they asked them to be a voter. Mm. Now, again, the difference between voter and, and vote is quite small there. It's only one letter, putting mm. an R on the end uh, of a vote. Yet that one letter led to about a 15% increase in, in people's likelihood of, of casting their ballot. And, and so you might say, well, why? Right? Why does voter work better than vote or helper work better than, than help? And it it comes down to the difference between actions and identities. Right. There are a variety of actions that we want to take every day, but we don't always have time. Right. We know we should eat healthier and exercise once in a while and, you know, read useful content online and call our friends and colleagues and do a variety of things. But we don't we don't have time. What we care more about, though, than taking particular actions are, are holding desired identities. Right. We all want to see ourselves as smart and competent and, and efficacious and maybe a little bit athletic or a little bit funny or whatever the traits we care about are. And so we do things, we engage in actions to make ourselves feel like we hold those traits that we care about. Right. If if we want to be healthy, we better go for a run once in a while or eat some yeah. vegetables. Yeah. If we you know, want to see ourselves as knowledgeable about technology, we better read some articles about it. If we want to see ourselves as funny, we do things that are consistent with that. We engage in actions that support the identities we want to hold. Oh, and what that means, though, is that by turning actions into identities, rather than asking people for help, asking them to be a helper, rather than asking them to vote, be a voter, by turning those actions into identities, we can make people more likely to take those actions, right? Helping, oh, I know I should help, but I'm, I'm busy. But if, if helping is an opportunity to show myself and others that I am a helper, yeah. well, now I'm more likely to do it. Uh, I, voting, sure, voting, I know, is something I should do. But if voting is an opportunity to show myself and others that I am a voter, now I'm more likely to do it. And so by turning actions into identities, we can make people more likely to take those actions.
0: Mm. Yes, that's that's very powerful. Something you said uh, about identity resonated with me in the sense of uh, what I've, I've read uh, a lot about recently in the science of belonging. And a lot of people talk about what it means to belong to a group. In fact, I read uh, when I was uh, doing a little bit of homework, if you will, about marketing to millennials that uh, a key um, trait that they indicated uh, among millennials, whether it's true or not, that I found interesting was that they said that they like to belong to a group. And uh th- for me, it 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 changed a lot of the ways in which we approached uh the work that we do in terms of getting once students are in our program helping them to feel like very specific things to help them feel that they belong, which made me in this conversation think about uh a lot of when we have leaders that are talking, often have been given advice to identify with being a part of the group. No one likes to hear someone say what you should do, like I'm leading you, but I should I'm, I'm pointing back out at you what you need to do versus what, we need to do or what we have as a problem not what you have as a problem and so certainly i've seen that and experienced it where it feels different coming from a leader so my question to you given the the work and the research that you've done uh especially on how words influence how much is too far have you have you do you have any advice on when is it too far uh, to identify, or in this case, sometimes over-identify with the group where you may not actually be a part of the group uh, and people are turned away because it feels disingenuous? You know,
1: there were a lot of things um, in what you just said. So I'll I'll pick up on a couple of the themes. Okay. Highlighted, you know, first, um, I, I certainly agree um, that belonging is important, right? Um, uh, uh, one of my uh, first earlier books, Invisible Influence, talks all about sort of social influence and in-group influence and out-group influence, and how we want to be like certain groups and avoid looking like other groups, and so we engage in things that support those desired I- identities. And so, I certainly agree that belonging is quite important, and that people are are motivated by that that goal. I think more broadly, though, you also talked about words like I, we, and you as a way of demarcating those boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as a way of indicating, um, you know, if something is a, a, an us thing or a them thing, if something is a me thing or a we thing or a you thing. A- and I think we have to be really careful there, right? So, so let's take a word like you. So, so you does a number of really good things. Um, uh, a few years ago, for example, I was working with a, a large um, uh, multinational consumer electronics firm that wanted to figure out how to get people 's attention right a, a, a common challenge we all have how do we how do we grab and hold on to people 's attention and so they had invested a bunch of money in social media. They were posting lots of things. Some of those things were getting attention. Others weren't. They were trying to figure out why. So they had me analyze all their social media posts, everything written by that company over a multiple year period and, and engagement. And so I looked at these thousands of posts and controlling for what they talked uh, about, their, their topics or themes, when they were posted, a variety of different things. I found that one little word, three letters long, had a big impact on on engagement, and that was the word you, y o u, and not just you, by the way, also you'll and your, any what's called a second person pronoun. Okay, um, and so if, if you think about it, why might you grab a- attention? Well, well, you makes things feel more self relevant. It makes it feel more like the content is focused on us. If it, if there's a post online that says five tips to save you money, okay, that's general. But if it's five tips to save you money, well, now I'm maybe more likely to think it's it's tailored to me, right? Um, you know, six ways to have a better vacation—that's pretty general. Six ways you can have a better vacation feels more focused on things I might find interesting. And so, in in some sense, you acts like a stop sign. It it draws people's attention, um, and it suggests that something is for them now. Does that mean that every time we use the word you, everyone's going to pay attention? Certainly not, right? But, but it increases the batting average. It makes people feel like content is more relevant to them, which makes them a little more likely to tune in and a little bit more likely to pay uh, attention. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you is perfect, right? Because you doesn't just get attention. It does other things a- as well. Um, I did this project with them and they said, great, this is super useful. Do the same thing with our customer support pages. So think about if you have an Apple Watch and it breaks or your phone isn't connecting to something or you need to do something else, um, you go to help pages. Help pages figure you, help you figure out how to solve the problem. And at the end, they often ask you to rate, you know, how helpful was this solution? And so they were wondering, hey, are certain ways of writing more helpful? How can we write more helpful help pages? And so there I analyzed all the content. If you was always great, then you would expect that you would be more helpful, but it was the exact opposite. The more that pages use the word you, the less helpful people found them. Mm-hmm. And that's useful to think about because yes, you grabs attention, but, but note when someone's going to a, a help page, they, we don't need to get their attention. We already have their attention. The problem is the other things that you also does, right? You can suggest, whether intentionally or not, who's responsible or who's to blame for something. Mm-hmm. Right. When it says, you know, if your phone is broken, you need to do X, Y, Z to fix it. Someone can feel like, well, why is it my responsibility to do those things? Right. I bought the phone from you. Why is it? Why is it my fault? Why do I have to do all the work? And and we can see this also in our, our personal lives often. You know, someone may say, hey, did you walk the dog? Did you make dinner? Did did you submit that report? And what they might really mean is, hey, did this get done? Right. Did the dog get a walk? Did dinner get made? Did the report get submitted? But by using the word you, it can feel a little bit accusatory, right? Even even yeah. though the goal is an accusatory, even if someone right. just like, hey, did the dog get a walk? You can come off as accusatory. And so mm-hmm. we have to be careful about using a word like that. Not only does it garner attention, which can be good, but it can suggest responsibility or blame in a way we may not intend. Mm-mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow, that's great. Uh great examples. Um I I am really interested in in learning some more. I know you have uh other books uh that that have in in this area of your research. Um I do want to pivot just for a second. For those of you who may have just tuned in, I am talking with Wharton professor and internationally best-selling author uh Jonah Berger, who we're talking about uh, the power of words and and words that you you can use to change uh uh people's minds and outcomes and um and so i I do want to pivot just for a moment and talk about a couple of the books that you have that I thought were particularly uh applicable to people who might be inclined to listen to, uh, this podcast, uh, uh, the catalyst was one of them. Uh, and, and what I, what I found to be about that book that I thought was, um, both the cat with the catalyst and magic words, uh, were the subtitles of you both in both cases, catalyst, you said how to change anyone's mind, but then magic words, Uh, what to say to get your way. And a lot of times leaders, uh, historically, before they become leaders, and and sometimes even when they're going through training, are told that there's something kind of wrong or evil about uh, setting out to change someone's mind or get them to do what you want. And, and it's not, I mean, I guess it just depends on what your aims are and it's not inherently a bad thing to say that I'm going to say it this way. So being intentional and deliberate, I say that a lot on my show, but being intentional and deliberate about what you say so you can get the desired results. And so likewise to me, and I'd love to hear you say a little bit about the catalyst is that. What I at least what I took away from the catalyst about how to change anyone's mind um, is that you start with what you want to have happen, have in mind what you want, uh, whether it is someone who is an extremist or some or or someone who is a consumer uh that you know where you want them to end up. And so uh language is a big part of that too. But I'd love to hear you say a little bit about what the big takeaway, at least that you intended, um, from the catalyst. Quick answer I would give is,
1: you know, sometimes we think influence is a, is a bad word that um, it's, it's a bad thing to influence people. It's a bad thing to be influenced, but we are constantly, uh, whether intentionally or not, both influencing others and, and being influenced, right? When, when we go to a foreign city and we're trying to figure out what to eat, where to eat, we look at Yelp reviews or we look if places are full. Um, you know, when um, trying to make decisions about where to go or what to do, we ask our peers. If, if we couldn't rely on others for information, life would be a lot more complicated and a lot more difficult. And similarly, people look to us right? The things we wear, the cars we drive, the actions we take, even if we're not talking to other people, they use that as information to help them figure out what what to do. Um, Even simple choices like, you know, if you're having people over for uh, dinner and you have like a buffet and putting the vegetables at the beginning makes people more likely to take more vegetables than if you put them at the end when they've filled up on everything else, right? And that's, In some sense that you may not be intending to influence them, but you're putting food wherever you're putting it, it's going to influence them. And so I think, um, you know, first of all, being a leader is not a title. It's something that you do. Right. You can be a a leader at any level of an organization uh, or at any organization. And so leading, though, is understanding, okay. How can I take the great behavioral science and the other science that's out there and not just let things happen, but understand why things happen and use that information and insight to help them understand, help them go better, right? Help people make better and more healthier choices, help Mm -hmm. people make smarter decisions, help people make the take actions that will make them happier or healthier in in the long run. And so the, the catalyst is all about how do we remove barriers to change, right? Often we think changing people is about pushing harder providing more facts, more figures, more reasons, more information. But if we push people, they often push back. Um, And so the the question of that whole book is, how do we identify and remove the barriers to change? Right? How do we make change more likely not by adding more
0: force, but by mitigating the the factors that get in the way? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So I know we're almost out of time. And so I just want to ask one one last question uh, related to magic words. Uh, what's, so where you have in magic words, I guess your, your, your subtitle for that is, uh, what does, uh, what to say to get your way? Um, again, very similar to, uh, Catalyst, not that it has to be something, uh, inherently wrong to do that. Um, but I, I think what, again, what it is about. This work is that you you've laid out a framework to help people understand that this it's really not accidental that um, there are marketer people who market and use words and so likewise we can employ uh, some of those same strategies and tools to also get what we want. Would is that a fair representation? I, I want to be a little careful here. You know, yeah. I thought a lot about the subtitle
1: for the new book. Um, it's not all about persuasion. It's also about yeah. how to be more creative and connect with loved ones and come up with better solutions and um, help change happen and, and uh, be perceived more positive to a variety of, of other good things. Unfortunately, uh, a subtitle that long wouldn't work. We thought about, you know, <laughs> yeah. how to persuade and connect and motivate and create and a variety of other things. And, and that was too long. So we went with what to say to get your way. Um, uh, in part because it has an, uh, a good bit of a rhyming aspect, but also because many of us want to be better persuaders, want to yeah. increase our influence. But the book really is, is about how to increase our impact more generally, how by gotcha. understanding how language
0: works, we can be more effective in, in all areas of life. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Jonah, I, I won't hold you. I know uh, you're a very busy person. Just want to thank you for coming and sharing and adding to me personally. And I'm sure uh, to the number of people uh, who have listened in today, Uh, we'll be following you, watching you. Uh, And before you go, please, uh, can you let us know where we can, any uh, social media handles, uh, w- websites or, or places where people who want to follow your work, get your books, where they might go? Sure. So, you know, first of all, the, the book
1: is available wherever books are sold. So um, uh, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, audiobook, wherever, wherever you like, the book is available. Um, you can find more information about the book, uh, including resources, um, uh, you know, one-page overviews of each book, application guides for changing minds and driving action and do a variety of other things, all of that is available on my website, which is just jonaberger.com, uh, including a bunch of resources there. And and on social media, uh, you can find me at J1Berger, both on Twitter
0: and on, on LinkedIn. Well, excellent. Thank you. I'll be watching and listening uh, and just wishing you the best and success in your work. Go well. Stay well, Jonah. Thanks so much for having me. Take care.